Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 205. Uh, it's a conversation I recorded in November of 2019 with American guitarist and singer-songwriter Steve Gunn. Uh, he was touring at the time, obviously, and uh, and he's a reasonably regular visitor to New Zealand. I had met him very briefly one other time uh, in the, probably 2017 when he played. Uh, I had done a phone interview with him um, at, you know, ahead of the show, and then on the evening of the show, it was literally a brief handshake introduction. The promoter was there, and he said, you guys just spoke to each other on the phone a couple of months ago, so we said hello, and each told um, each other that we enjoyed the conversation, and then I watched him play the show. Uh, but I, he did something amazing at that show. He talked down a heckler, and so... When I knew that I was going to get to have this conversation to meet him properly and have a, a, a big podcast chat with him, I start the conversation by asking him about that, and he remembered that. Um, and uh, so I, I love this conversation. I feel like we, we had some really good chats about music. He's uh, a fascinating and hugely talented musician, and I'm a big fan of his work. Um, but it was great to be able to have this much time. He was very generous with his time. In fact, you'll hear about three quarters of the way through this, I sort of suggest that we wrap it up um, because I'm worried that he's got sound check to do and that he needs uh, time, you know, a bit of a break before the show. But um, he appeared to be having a good time and we ended up, we end the conversation with just a giant ramble about the Beatles and... Uh, Oh, Randy Newman and a few other things like that, favourite musicians that we're into. And of course you'll hear me talk about how excited I am to see Randy Newman playing live for the first time. And of course he's only just gone and cancelled the, the shows, so uh, I've decided to leave that in. Um, but yeah, amazing conversation with Steve Gunn. We talk through his, you know, his influences and his playing and he talks about the the churn of being on the road and um, he had lost his father a couple of years earlier that had informed some of his more recent work so we talk about that and the songwriting process uh, look I love this conversation it was it was really great the only thing about it is um, we recorded it at the venue at Moon where he played in the afternoon so you will hear some background noise we couldn't get uh, anywhere quiet it was pretty quiet and the mic's up close and you're mostly going to hear us and there really isn't too much that gets in the way. I've done a few other conversations like this for the podcast where I've been in a public space and you will hear a bit of background noise. I hope that creates an atmosphere that you're happy with. But um, yeah, I was thrilled to have this conversation and I, um, I hope you enjoy getting to hear it. This is me talking with uh, American musician Steve Gunn. You possibly don't remember this, but it made a big impact on me. When um, the time before last when you played um, at, at Caroline in Wellington, uh, so in 2017, okay. and I had interviewed you on the phone, and we met very briefly at the bar, but at the end of that night, and it was a very good show, you were playing solo, there was one guy in the audience. Who I was remember like, do you, this. You I do? was going to bring this up. Great, I'm glad you remembered, because I suddenly thought, if I start with this, you might go, that happens all the time, or <laughs> whatever. Wow. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you a couple of things about it. Um, I, I, I remember I wrote a review of the show and actually oh, yeah. mentioned okay, it in the yeah. review. I remember this, yeah. Right, because yeah, okay. that's what it, when I say it had an effect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had this drunken reveler, like, he was kind of into being there and he was kind of a little too into being there. And you just handled it in a way that I think made everyone comfortable. Yeah. You kind of ever so slightly took the piss out of him, <laughs> but, but you didn't make him feel like a shithead. Yeah. But you let everyone else know that in the audience 
that this guy was as, as directly annoying to you as we thought he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I wondered how, you know, I guess if you, you say you remember that, so I wonder I how often that, that sort of thing has happened and how you kind of built that armour, like how you created that sort of approach. Yeah, it's... I'm very... Obviously, when you're standing on the stage, you can hear and see everything. And yeah. I think people sometimes fail to realize that and that's okay mm. you know of mm. course like if you're at a bar and there's a guy on the stage and you're with your friends and you had a couple of drinks and mm. Mm. you know but I think that uh, I've gotten a lot better with it I think there's a very fine line with yeah. like yeah. kind of losing the audience and, and, and also singling one person out yeah, rather than yeah. like you know everyone else who's paying attention yeah well so, this guy announced himself but this guy was <laughs> he was very disruptive I think mm. he was it was the kind of thing where he, w- he was dis- not only not only um, disrupting my my concentration, but like people. Oh, he was bugging enjoying, everyone's evening. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And that's happened to me in the past, where there's like, I, sometimes I call them acid hecklers, yes, where it's like yes. they're not quite drunk, but something else. Yeah, is going something's on. going on. And they're yeah. like, and it's and you don't. I also, maybe, maybe you said to him like. <laughs> You know, it's okay. I've got a beer too. I'm enjoying a drink. Yeah. But I'm just not. You know, I'm maybe not on the same plane that you're on. So you, yeah. you yeah, and you and you kind of just, yeah. When you say acid heckler, it's perfect because you kind of talked him down a little. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I think that that's. I mean, you know, I've been doing this yeah. for a long time, and, and I used to get more. I used to bottle it in a little more, and, and then mm. finally, like, hey, like, can you please stop? You're standing mm. right in front of the stage, and mm. you're having mm. a conversation, you know, that kind of stuff. I think there's this, a certain way of subtly sort of maybe putting a message out first, and if that doesn't work, yeah. try something else, and then the third time, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's awful, but, though, because for you, I guess, like, you're in this precarious position where frame it the wrong way and suddenly you're the it's, asshole. It gets turned back. <laughs> it gets yeah. turned around on yeah, you and, yeah, yeah. and someone's know. there in the back with their phone going, wow, what an asshole. What a dick, yeah. S- Steve Gunn was just really, well, that's he didn't need thing. to be that rude and it's yeah. like, man, how do you, you know? I that's, know, well that's that's the problem. That's why, so. <laughs> that's why it made the impression on me. I was like, this was about as skillfully handled. Oh, that's cool. That's good you noticed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, also I think, you know, with, with certain people like that, um, they're, they also, they're unaware Mm. So if you say, like, excuse me, hey, like, if you address mm. them and say, like, how's it going? Are you mm. okay? First yeah. of all, are you okay? Yeah. Second of all, like, I'm Steve. Yeah. I'm playing music up here. Yeah. You How presume, are you? You presumably like, paid to get yeah. in. Like you can't, um, so I think you kind of tread, yes. tread the waters a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, um, and then just interact. That's kind of mm. what I wanted to do was interact with him and say, mm. like, it's you're, it's okay. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot because yeah. people hate that as well. Yeah, yeah, Especially yeah. if they're inebriated mm-hmm. and incapacitated and mm. then all of a sudden the spotlight's on them. Well, they've got one shot, haven't they? They've got yeah, one yeah. punch yeah. With, with whatever they're going to say. Yeah. And then because they're not really thinking straight, yeah. they and, don't have follow-up. And right. you do. And also and you don't want the room to turn on yeah, the person yeah, as well because yeah, yeah. that can get ugly. Well, that's what I mean. That's what you yeah. did there you kind of you let us all know yeah I'm annoyed this guy's annoying me directly I know he's annoying you but he's annoying me too and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna fix this for all of us was yeah, sort of how yeah, it came yeah. across that's cool. you know that's cool. and I, I guess the reason I wanted to ask you about that was apart from it being a, a very sort of cool and vivid thing for me I guess that's part of like I remember doing that phone interview with you and we talked a bit about the difference of playing solo versus with a band. The, lots of people, lots of musicians talk about 
being vulnerable, being naked on stage, and, yeah. and that's a version of it, right? The fact it that is, it's, yeah. if anything goes wrong, there's no safety in numbers. You're the you're yeah. kind of you're kind of the one person running the gig. Yeah, it's funny. I had this other example recently that mm. made me made me think of the same Gold, thing. Was it in New Zealand too? No, it was, I was in <laughs> London. Okay, and and I had been you know a solo gig, and it was like a big show. It was totally like packed. Mm. In a beautiful room, quiet. It was like, yes, okay, it sounds good, I'm ready to play. And all of a sudden, I hear this saw, like, <laughs> like really loud. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, there was an alley just behind the stage, and basically there was a door. Mm. So you push the door up, and you're out in this alley. And so I played through one song, and I said, like, okay, I started the next one. <laughs> and it was so funny because you could hear a pin drop in the room. Yeah. So it was like, I made this joke like you know it's if the room's silent there's something else yeah yeah (laughs) and so basically i was like does everyone else hear that and they're like yeah (laughs) like the whole room was like yeah Mm. and so then i was like okay so i put my guitar down and i walked out in this alley and there was a guy like cutting like metal like he was building something Mm. and it was this was 10 p.m at night so excuse me sir there's a room right here at that door and there's like 250 people in there and I'm playing a concert, and I'm playing solo acoustic. Can you stop sh- sawing the metal? But I wasn't saying, like, I was trying to be respectful. Yeah, yeah, and He yeah. was like, well, I'm doing a job here. Do yeah, this, is my, working? this is my concert. Like, this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And I was like, oh, no. Like, and I was, like, trying to get back on the stage, and suddenly I was, like, having this conversation. And then, he ended, and then someone from the venue ran out. I was like, it's okay, we'll handle it. Go back yeah, in there. Yeah. So then I went back in, and it had stopped, and, like, it was really cool because yeah. I think the it was this it was real, mm, but mm. it made the audience connected with the audience yeah, in a time. better in a, yeah. in a different way because it was like oh wow he's actually trying to kind of like make it better for himself not only for himself but for for but the rest of the audience as well. You're turning that into a. Um, it was almost like a performance yes, thing by accident. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're turning it into a a sort of a virtue or a um, you know a a goodwill gesture and a, a, sh- a sharing thing between you and the audience but these are the things you face as a person touring solo there's no one going out there for you to, to yeah. help that yeah. so and know, also I think that I mean not to get philosophical but that's how it always you always have to improvise and roll yeah. with what happens yeah. for instance when I'm traveling solo mm. and I have a suitcase with a broken wheel <laughs> And I'm and yeah. I'm really tired, and I just want to get to a hotel room, but it's not under my name. Mm. So then I have to like call someone, and they don't answer the phone, and I'm like stuck in the rain. Mm. And I have to figure it out. You have mm. to I have to kind of roll with with my situations, and I'm not complaining by any means. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I but just think that even you know playing gigs and stuff when you when you're in a room full of you know a bunch of people who come to see the mm. gig. Mm. Something's gonna go. Something's, you know. Yeah, you have yeah. to kind of. You can't. I don't want to ever feel entitled to, for everyone to to act a certain way. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I have to stick up for myself. Yeah. At the same time, you know. So there's like a delicate totally balance yeah. there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So let's go back. I mean, I've, I've probably asked you a couple of these things before, and you've certainly been asked them by other people before. But for for people listening, let's go back to to how this all started for you. Like, you were a you're a hardcore guy and a, a punk guy and a skateboarder, right? Yeah. Like, and that was your thing. Yeah, I still am. And you of. still are. Yeah, yeah, like but it. yeah, yeah. But that was your thing musically. It was more the 
the kind was. of punk spe- end of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about now because when I got into that stuff, I was also listening to my parents' music, which mm-hmm. was like a lot of R&B and soul. And like, right. you know, yeah, yeah. I loved all that stuff. I, I really loved it dearly. Yeah. And I still do. So... I was already I was already really informed by that music as well, and then I got into like skateboarding, and then there, and also I think because of how how young I was and how I just wanted to play, mm. and it was so easy, everything felt possible. Mm. Whereas like oh you're you're hanging out with these dudes, and all of a sudden like oh you guys are in a band, and you go and see them, it's like very formulaic, mm. and I think that uh, and you know I I, I love the music it was also like. I think it was a bit more than that. It was more about, oh, wow, finding, finding an outlet, a way of kind of socializing that wasn't mm. sports or um, more things that were organized by my school, for mm. instance, mm. like high schools. Or mm. it was, It's a bit outside of the spectrum. And for me, that was something that I was always interested in. And, and also just people who were making their own records. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and then it kind of grew from there. You and know. so what's going on in the family dyna- dynamic? It's a musical family in, the, in terms of yeah, record uh, collection and yeah, like listening. My mom, and, yeah, yeah. My, my parents, um, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia. Mm. My parents grew up um, kind of in the, they were teenagers, you know, in the 60s. Um, and they were, a, you know, my dad is from the sort of Vietnam generation and civil rights movement. And I think... They were in a very, like, fertile area for music. My mom also was really... In, there was there were these... Well, I was just talking to her about this, actually. Mm. There were these dances. Also, radio was quite important there. And there were mm. these, like, DJs who were having these parties. I mean, it's kind of similar to now, but but basically there were these soul reviews mm-hmm. that, were, that would travel through and play. And my mom was going to a concert, like, twice a week, Wednesday nights and, like, Saturday nights. And, you know, her... Her best friend's dad was like the police chief, so they got in for free. This yeah. whole thing, <laughs> and so she was going to these concerts, uh, you know, twice a week almost. And she was seeing at the time she was seeing, you know, people from Motown, people from Stax, uh, Stevie Wonder, mm. all these, you know, uh, all these people coming through. Also, some local bands as well. Mm-hmm. And 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 also she was, you know, there was this one radio DJ who uh, is still around. His name is Jerry Blavitt. He's a total character. He wears, like, all white and, like, drives a convertible. He's, like, 75. He's still DJing parties. But he was a DJ then as well, and he was really... I think he was really influential to, like, you know, my mom and my dad, for instance, uh, and all of their friends and peers. And he's knowledgeable about all the music, all the studios, who wrote the songs, playing different versions, all this stuff. So my mom was collecting 45s Mm. of these of these bands and you know picking on her favorite songs and she actually just gave me her uh, collection of 45s like two boxes full oh, wow. of her favorite yeah. ones you know and that's all amazing stuff yeah yeah and so did, similarly my my dad was also into that and then when he got a little bit older he was you know into rock and roll like Rolling Stones and the classic stuff and seeing the concerts and things like that mm. so I think and also just the way that their their upbringing and what they went through and their kind of whole sensibility about you know what happened at that time music was very important mm. and that just carried through into my life because music was always playing you know mm. my dad for instance was always had music on wherever he was you know in the house in the garage 
Mm-hmm. I just said that with a British accent, sorry. In the garage. <laughs> in, in a, You've been on the road I've been too on long. the road so long. <laughs> um, in, the, in the car, you yeah. know, everywhere. So and I, that kind of carries, carries over to me. I listen to the radio all the time. Mm. And it's so funny because I, I was talking to his brother. My dad passed away a couple years ago. Mm. And all these stories kept coming up. And there was this one story, I couldn't believe it, because my dad had switched the light switch in the, in, when they were like young, when they were kids, he had like somehow triggered the light switch to turn the radio on, both in the, Mm. like, in the bathroom, Mm. and also like in his bedroom as well, and it was like, because for me, that's the same thing, like whenever I'm in a room, like bam, the music is on, before I like cook or sit or like do anything, it's like, yeah. Switch. It's almost like turning the light on. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so that was like, wow. It's so. I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. But you know, it's that's me. Mm-hmm. You know. So there's like this direct, sort of like, lineage in that way. And mm-hmm. and also, I must say about the skateboarding hardcore thing, was you know I was, gr- growing up in that time like kind of like early '90s and my old I had an older sister as well. And, my sister was really cool, and she had cool mm. friends and listened to all this awesome music. And yeah. She was, like, old, like, seven years older than me, so she was already, like, had a car and going to concerts, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, I was always just, like, in her room, like, what's this, like, Bauhaus tape, or, mm. you know, I, I discovered all this music through her, yeah. you know, listening to what, whatever yeah. she was into. Yeah. And also, her friends, she always had, like, friends who were in bands and stuff, and they were always really, like cool to me like oh so look at this little cute guy like mm. with a skateboard or whatever Mm-mm. so I was taking a lot of cues from her and her friends and I had you know I had a best friend and we were 12 13 going going to concerts at that point I started going you know mm. um, by myself and, and that was kind of it and then you know a little bit later we sort of discovered a local scene and started driving around and meeting people in different towns mm. And also Philadelphia, so, you know, I was just out in the suburbs, so you take a train and you're in the city and there's record stores. And um, Also, I'm mentioning radio, just generally, like, the universities all had stations. Yeah, yeah. If I tune in, I'm always Mm. curious to, you know, oh, what's this jazz station? Or, you know, discovering, Mm. like, John Coltrane and and, and people like that was a total, like, revelation to me, too. Mm -hmm. How did you get kind of hip to some of the Flying Nun and New Zealand bands that you know, like... Uh, actually, re- the record stores. Yeah. Um, there, there's a record store in Philadelphia. I probably mentioned this to you before mm-hmm. in the past, um, but there's a record store in Philadelphia called the Philadelphia Record Exchange that has been around since, I don't know, probably the mm-hmm. late 70s. Mm-hmm. And at the time, this was like in the 90s, I was actually... I just, I just met Bruce Russell... Mm. Um, in Christchurch from the Dead Sea. Yeah, yeah. And I was asking him... Um, oh, what, on this trip you made? Yeah, you just, just on this yeah, trip, cold, he came to my cold, show, and cold. I was asking him, like, you came to the States? Yeah. You know, and I just missed him. I was a little mm. bit too young, but they came mm. in, like, 93. Mm. Um, and I was, you know, around that time, I was, there was a label called Silk Breeze Records, which I think even released some stuff, like even some Dead Sea recordings. And a few other things from New Zealand, but then mm. I think Flying Nun was just sort of like almost the next label 
that I discovered from Silpri's learning a little bit more right. about New yeah. Zealand music. Yeah. And that's when I discovered The Clean and mm. The Chills mm. and, and, and all those bands and that mm. label. And that stuff really resonated with me and my friends because it was almost, it was synonymous as well and influential to what was happening then mm. as well. Mm. There was a DIY scene and there was a certain aesthetic, almost kind of like a lo-fi thing as well, yeah, but yeah. also very melodic and very great and very well written and very thoughtful music mm, and mm. kind of anthemic it's sort of, um, some of it's 10 years after but it's actually <clears throat> lines up with things like the very early REM records and yeah, that's, right. that sort of American college radio scene mm-hmm. yeah yeah that, that must yeah, have filtered like, into it somehow yeah. yeah and it's a bunch you know it's people who probably were into punk and then mm. You know, start listening to Velvet Underground. Yeah, I was going to say that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So the Dunedin sound is almost like I was saying today. I was talking to Matthew Bannister today from Sneaky Feelings, and he, he, uh, you know, I said I almost feel like the Dunedin scene in a way you could nutshell it by saying it was basically a bunch of people all trying to come up with their version of what goes on by the Velvet Underground. Yeah, that's the that's that's the touchstone almost. If you're going to simplify it, sure. You know, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, what's it been like for you to? I mean, you're a pretty regular visitor to our shores now, and you've done shows with some of these bands and members of the yeah. bands, Bob Scott and yeah. the Bats and, and Chills and stuff. You've yeah, shared yeah. the bill with them, met Bruce Russell. Yeah. This is pretty cool. Like, it is this very cool. <laughs> kind yeah. of been, that's not something that a teenager thinks is going to happen. No. You know, especially, when, <laughs> especially when there's oceans between, you know, you might, yeah. you might think, oh, the guy from my favourite band's coming to town, I might get him to sign my record or I might get to of say course, hello. Yeah. And that happens, but you don't. And that's another thing I wanted to say about mm. the Flying Nun and the music from here, mm. you know, being being a kid in Philadelphia and like picking up a Dead Sea record and like mm. putting on Trapdoor fucking Exit and being like whoa and it yeah, was like yeah. the, you know for me at the time and my friends we were always you know how there's always this way even with all kinds of music I was always trying to get my mind blown mm. and trying to like perplex myself say like okay so how do I contextualize this and mm. uh, you know and the fact that it was so far away. It was also this oh, these, this huge space and this this distance. I think mm. this distance made something also affected the way that we felt, the way that we felt about it yeah. as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah. And I think that kind of there's a, that happens both ways. Mm, you know? mm. um, and I guess what was my point? Um, I think oh, and and just to to what you're saying. To, to think about myself back then and to yeah. like imagine me being here and like meeting these yeah. folks and like talking about the music, I think it would, it would have, I wouldn't have been able to believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And music, music, of course, has taken you a lot further than just New Zealand into a great yeah. many places and yeah. and to meet and work with people from other countries or other areas in America that are every bit as important or more important. Some of these, it's a, a you know that that thing of having a broken wheel on the suitcase and having to ring someone to get into your. That's just that's just a, a slightly shit shitty day and a good job, right? Exactly. Basically. I always have to which, put it in perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which yeah. everyone has in of their course. job. So it's still a pretty good. Oh no, yeah, a pretty good great. gig to have. I'm actually proud of the broken suitcase because mm, it's. Mm. Because it's a, a pretty sturdy one. And I was like, oh, man, the wheel came off. All right. Like, I've earned, yeah, yeah, it. I yeah, earned yeah. that one. You've done your miles. 
yeah. When I was talking to you a couple of years ago, you were, and and it had already happened in your music, but you were talking about um, the development of yourself as a songwriter, because I guess you kind of came to a lot of people's attention as a guitarist first and foremost. Yeah. You know, you, there's the connection with Kurt Vile and... A bunch, I know I talked to you about, you know, there's a bunch of guys that are your friends, people like Riley Walker and stuff, that yeah, are yeah. doing amazing things with guitar, but a similar things happen with him, I think, too, where it's like, okay, I'm not just a guitarist, I'm interested in music, I'm interested in songs. Yeah. And that's been a really interesting development in your work over the last few years, that yeah. you're almost still great guitar playing, it still frames the songs, it's still a feature, but you're... Um, you're a, you're a, not just a person that writes songs. You're a lyricist. Yeah, you know, great. and you've really. How have you? How have you worked at that? Like how? Um, can you articulate yeah, come, that? Yeah, I can. I think. I I, I always try to explain how I kind of came around to it in this kind of almost like backwards mm. way, where mm. you know I was playing a lot of guitar, and I was also I was practicing so much and kind of learning all this almost kind of virtuosic style mm, mm. and then I never really like thought about basics especially with songwriting yeah but I also really wanted to string words together and, and use language on, on not to sound cliche but you know mm. like come up with a way to like spin a story mm. um, but I was never like oh well you have to write a bridge and you have to you know put it in this key mm. and I wasn't sitting down at a piano like writing to, like writing songs mm. I was more you know I have all this guitar ideas and all these ideas written down and I was I would originally in the beginning and also still do that like I have one of these recorders these mm. zoom things mm. so if I have a moment or an idea I'll record it and take notes it's all sort of about these like snapshots and notes and then kind of piecing it all together when I have time mm. um, and I always and I like to keep it very open mm. uh, and and loose and uh, I think over the years I've come around to songwriting a little more and think I thought about it in a more formulaic way rather mm. than just like kind of slapping things together mm. which is also cool mm. um, there was this sort of more of an immediacy with it in, in the past and mm. I think I've become more thoughtful just for for like song's sake I mm. guess as and I never really it took me years to kind of think about that and to also to be willing to simplify what I do and to reduce I think it's important to reduce a lot mm. of things especially mm. with my playing and what I knew and how I was kind of jumping into certain things mm. and and also kind of just trusting uh, the simplicity of certain things mm. and not having to over I would overthink a lot mm. uh, with with certain things in the past <clears throat> I mean I still do but I also I, with my for instance with my last album I was <clears throat> feeling a bit more spontaneous mm. but also was thinking things things through a little more structurally. Mm. And so this is the unseen in between, which yeah. is which is your new album, but it's nearly a year old. Yeah, it came out and in January. So yeah. I suppose it's a couple of years old and in the life yeah. of for you, it's the true. song's taking shape. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> is it a case of almost always working on material? Are you are you you've got a bunch of stuff you're going to go and 
yeah, record working, again soon and make another yeah, album mm-hmm, soon. I mean, I yeah. know there's been the acoustic EP as well in between, but yeah, that that I basically when I was home on a break, I went in and recorded that in just an afternoon because I had played so many gigs and I yeah, was yeah. like, I had some days off. I was like, I really want to do this because mm. it's a different, pers- it's a different like window into those songs, yeah, and that's yeah. how I wrote them. Yeah, and I just wanted to kind of document that at yeah. the time. I'm yeah. glad I did. Yeah, it, you know, no, it works um, really well, and it's interesting <clears throat> listening to them as. I guess companion pieces. Yeah. I've, I um, I might have I might have said this when I wrote about it, but the only thing I could think of the the person I think of that does that very well also is Richard Thompson. He actually, oh, yeah. you know, he'll he's go, one of my heroes. Yeah, yeah. obviously, I figured. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> anyone that plays the guitar even vaguely the way you do has to be aware of him, right? Yeah, and he's, of course. He's one of those guys that. It's true. But, but yeah. he does that thing that switch between electric and acoustic so well, yeah. and the, the switch between band and solo so well. I know it's true. Yeah, yeah, I saw him not that long ago, and similarly, like he had a playing with the trio mm. ripping guitar player as well like he's like oh, you yeah. know playing he can like, shred <laughs> he's shredding I was, yeah. my mind was blown yeah I've still and never then, seen him oh man that was the first time actually right. I was I was wanting to see him for years and years mm. and then finally I was like just randomly saw that he was playing that night and mm. I was like I'm I'm paying 150 bucks. I yeah. don't care. Like I'm going to see him. Yeah. And I went to this like very nice club and like had a good seat. Mm. And I'm so glad I did because it was, yeah. He was just playing things off the top of his head, calling tunes, playing old Fairport songs. Wow. And and then he came out at the end and did like three solo songs and it was like mm. it was mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. And he's <clears throat> he's got that thing in his story too, where I guess he was really first appreciated as a guitar player first and foremost yeah. but the guy's a hell of a songwriter he I mean, really he's, is he's, yeah. he's got songs for days that deep, he, he's that, a deep yeah, cat yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah and yeah you can print out the lyrics and read them and go well this is a poem this is a short story yeah, this, for sure. this could be put in a book yeah you know? yeah for sure I yeah I admire that so mm, much mm, you know mm. Mm. and that's you know I think he, he his style similarly or to speaking about trying to write songs I just think like his the way that he kind of constructs ideas and imagery mm. is, is very poetic mm, you know? mm. and I was I was struck like with your I think not just the new record, but the, the, the one a couple of years ago when you last toured, um, the song, you know, it reminds me too of, I guess, people like, in a different way, someone like Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth, he, he did that thing where, you know, he went from being a noise merchant and a spoken word guy and a weird arty guy yeah. to the band broke up and he put out this acoustic record. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a thing too. Of songs, you know, yeah. like really, really beautiful, nice, yeah. simple, but clever songs. Yeah. It's interesting because he still is that person yes, as well. Yes, totally. Like it's, he's, he's a multifaceted mm. person. Mm. Um, and I think that um, I, I like to think that way as well, just with what I do. I mm. still love improvising and, mm. and, and playing very openly and feeding off of other sounds and things like that. I think it's important to, to, to kind of encompass all that you know, mm-hmm. um, and be have your receptors kind of open to everything. And he's a great example of someone who I really look up to, mm. and he's a friend of mine. Mm. I've, you know, I've traveled with him and played music and like gotten to know him a little bit. It's, yeah, I mean, he's so open mm. to that, but he also he has a he's I mean. You could almost even call it a folk tradition where he is a songwriter mm. and he's thinking in terms of songs. Mm. And 
he's constructing songs, and he has been doing. He's been doing that for probably forty years at yeah, this point. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and that's a really a big part of what he does, you mm. know. And he's a very uh, clear and, and amazing wordsmith, and he writes amazing songs. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I did this tour with him about a year or two ago, and it was just him solo acoustic. It was like so great. Yeah, wow. Yeah, just like everything was stripped down and yeah, you know. Yeah, wow. Playing these songs was, was amazing. Mm, mm. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, tell me about uh, how you look after yourself because you you said with that Hitler, with the acid Hitler, you said you said you know the the question really is you know are you okay? And I thought that's a question we don't ask people enough. Yeah. We feel a bit weird about it. We yeah. feel a bit pious, or I don't know, uh, you know, like it's an anxious it's thing a to do. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. And it, and it's a bit as a deeply personal. And but I'm thinking, like, you're a guy who you've been a prolific recording artist in the last few years, and a prolific touring artist. You're doing a lot of work. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of work on your own, going around the world. Yeah. How do you cope? How do you feel? Um. I mean. Right now, I feel, I mean, it's been a year, basically, and I'm, um, this is like my, I mean, I'm up to about 150 gigs, mm. um, and I always, I don't know, like, I I like to think of myself as a hard worker, um, and I am, um, and I really love traveling and playing gigs, um, but yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit burnt out right now, but it just takes me a day to get my per- get a perspective and like or even just a, an hour or a few yeah. hours just to like yeah. be alone and try to meditate and put it back in perspective because mm. I you know I think it's easy to take for granted I think also there's I think after this year I'm thinking about like ways of not working harder but working smarter <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and being creative um, and giving myself enough time to be creative. I think there's one thing about playing so many games is, is I, I get a little frustrated um, to not have that time to like work on my own stuff. Mm, but mm. I'm out here playing, which which is great. Yeah, you're doing the show. You're yeah. presenting the work. Yeah. And so, and I, th- I you think can, you can keep that running yeah. with an album to a circuit. But I, and I think the most grounding element of all of it is. Is playing and meeting people, and mm. for me, that is always the the thing that makes it all worth it. Mm. And you know, to come here and to like, you know, just to be hosted and to play in front of people, and people are very appreciative of doing it. Um, I kind of signed up for it. I guess I'm yeah. in a way, yeah. it's like I'm committed to it, and it's interesting to think about because when everything's being planned, it's hard to it's hard to like put yourself spiritually and mentally in it and, and project mm. how you're going to feel mm. when you're making these plans but a lot of the plans always and this is almost maybe a self-management kind of issue mm. but things grow kind of into themselves and outwardly as well so they say like oh you got this offer to go to Japan like do you want to go and I'm like yeah mm. like I do I want to I want to Get, put my guitar in a case and like fly somewhere and play. Like yeah, that's yeah. you know what I what I've been sort of building up to. Yeah, yeah. 
And so then they said, okay, well, then you can do a tour in New Zealand from there. Like, you just string it all together. I can't, I shouldn't go home and then go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm already out there. Yeah, so yeah. these things kind of um, perpetuate and, like, build, mm. build up, you know, get longer. It's like, oh, well, you're already there. Go to do an, a tour in Australia, you know. Mm. I think, and I'm, I don't know, I've... I've I've sort of been open. I'm very open. I, this year, particularly, I've always mm. been like just open to it, mm. um, and I've almost said yes to everything, um, not regretfully, but yeah. just yeah. I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know. and you, can you do you write on the road? I, I more no. I mean, that for me, I have to be like I have to close that door, okay. you know, and like yeah. be in a room, yeah, and. Being a desk so it's, it's, and have no distractions. So it's writing time, yeah, I touring think I've time, learned, recording time. It is kind of compartmentalized. Yeah, yeah, and you're saying like taking care of yourself, and mm. I think that's also a priority. You know, just being, and it takes it takes work. Just yeah. you know, traveling and and really finding that time to just like get get it, get it together instead of just running and running mm. and running. Mm. So. But I also, you know, so that, that's the, the yeah, the, the songwriting stuff, it can happen even just at soundcheck, I'll, I'll be like, oh man, yeah. like this, this riff is cool, and then I'll remember it, and then play it again, mm. and then that, that could, that could potentially turn S- into a song. Sit in the cupboard for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have, and also just ideas, like, I, I'm really into, like, writing down what I hear, like, some people, like, say stuff, and, like, or I see a sign, or I'm listening to something. Mm. I like to write, I write a lot in notebooks. Uh-huh, so that... And I, fr- I like to do, like, I've, lately I've been doing just free writing, mm. where you give yourself 30 minutes, and just freely write, just See stuff. what comes out, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and sort of unblocking the pipes. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's also been quite helpful. Mm. And then, when I get home, and I have some time to work um, and to just relax I always I kind of like open everything up and things start coming Mm, mm, mm. in that way and um, you mentioned you lost your father a couple of years ago yeah and um, there's songs about him one in particular on the new record yeah Um, do you want to talk a bit about that sure Yeah. yeah what what part of the process was that for you, you know, writing? Um, it was almost as if, you know, it's like you didn't. Um, there's like a, you know, how some people say, like, um, you didn't, like, for instance, this poet last mm. night mm. who opened the show, he had this amazing poem about his father, which I, which I really um, identified with, but he basically said something like, my father wrote a book that I never finished reading, mm. you know, and I think that, uh, I, that it really, like, s- struck me, because for me, this song was essentially um, me kind of wrapping up mm. my story yeah. of his, yeah. and and um, my relationship with him, mm. and my and and me becoming full circle with knowing him, mm. and also coming to terms with his death as well. Like it was, 
it was sad, but it was also quite beautiful. Mm. Um, where I was at a time, you know, I was at an age where we met almost as friends. And I was relating to him in this new, more, um, like a deeper way. Almost as like just, you know, partners in life yeah. and, and friends. What? And there wasn't anything to hide mm. anymore. And mm. I think that... And nothing to prove. Exactly. Is the thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. And another thing is, too, like, you know, I... I mean, you know, when we're talking about, like, punk rock and mm. stuff, I got into a lot of, like, just noise music and improvised stuff. Mm. And noise music, I always never... I never liked that term. It's so silly. But, like, I was just exploring my ears and my abilities in a very experimental way for a long time. And so I was kind of hiding that in a way I was not... I wasn't hiding it, but I wasn't offering it out. Like, mm. you know, Mom, check out this uh, <laughs> drone CDR I yeah. made. Like, yeah. put it in your car and drive to the supermarket. <laughs> while, you know, yeah. I was always like, yeah, I'm playing a show. And, you know, so it was always like this separate thing. Yes. But then when I started writing songs and when I started actually kind of incorporating locations and, and adept, like and geographical mm. names and things which particularly uh, adhered to where my parents like live for mm. instance mm. You know, they, it blew their minds it's like oh my god you wrote a song about this and oh my god and then they start seeing the press yeah, and like, everything yeah. this whole them knowing me naturally kind of cracked open and it's like I, here's what I've been doing this this is you know <laughs> mm. this is what I've been doing for 15 years mm. you know and but I, they had to find a way in yeah, or there it, it had to be an accessible I think it was like them just being a little more proud and it's fine I mm. wasn't looking for mm. like a pat on the back but at the same time when for instance you know like you're like for example say like your parents live in a small town and you're living somewhere else, and you do something, say you write a book or you're in a something, you mm. achieve this accomplishment, you mm-hmm. get a doctorate degree, and then they write about it in your local paper. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, that's the key. That's yes. my golden ticket. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I was written about in the local Philadelphia <laughs> Inquirer, yeah, yeah. and there was my photo there, it was like, here you yeah. go. Like, he's, here's ar- my, he's arrived. Here's my guarantee. Yeah. You know? And that was quite special. And I think that, like, um, my father, him being so musical, you know, I mean, he was quite proud. And, mm. and uh, I didn't go down. I didn't go down the normal road. I took a very, I, I, I went a completely different direction than mm. anyone in my family has ever gone. Mm. Um, and I think that there's a certain sense, and I think about this word a lot, like empathy, where it's like. Do you know? Do you know that I've been traveling around the world playing music? And mm. you don't have to, but like, mm. when I'm home for Thanksgiving, or when I'm home for the holidays, and we're all in our sweaters mm. talking about sports, ask me about you know mm. living and traveling out of a, out of a suitcase and traveling around the world because that's what I'm doing for a living, mm. you know. Mm. And I'm not I'm not bitter about that, but there's a certain sense of empathy that I was missing and then when they were like oh my gosh like there was results 
from the work that I was doing. Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh wow, I read this whole story about you. So suddenly they're reading interviews now, and they're like understanding mm, me a little more. So it's almost like huh. suddenly it all made sense yeah, after came, one or two little kind of connection points. Yeah, yeah, and what, yeah. What was so interesting as well was all of this was coinciding with my father's relationship and also like his his illness. Yeah, and me just being a, a, per, a self-made person mm. and him being who he was and us kind of meeting in this in this place and and having I'm lucky that I had some time with him you know I'm lucky mm. that we were able to really absolve everything not that we had too much to absolve but just to, to feel that connection and the song was a way because you know I, I was so curious about his life I also got really interested in you know, my dad's generation who got sent to Vietnam. Mm. There's such a senseless, brutal war, and and it really, the severity of it was always hidden from from public view and from public knowledge and from the history books as well. Mm. It was such a rotten situation that all these people, like these you know these lower class individuals who are just out of high school get thrown into this situation. They get hooked on drugs. They end up seeing things that they shouldn't see. They get injured. Their friends die. Like, all this stuff. And then they come back and there's there's no one is, is helping them. You know? And I think that my dad suffered from that. His friends really suffered from that. And as I got a little older, I wanted to understand mm. what it was like. Well, it's an, o- it's an oversimplification, but the Viet- my understanding is the Vietnam War was one of those hugely impactful things in the last 40, 50 years of American history. It's kind of defined many... Yeah, bad social policy situations that of have course. happened. You know, yeah, and, and, and I know, I, I know now yeah, that's what I mean. And I, and I know that we could pick one or two other things that had a massive impact too. But yeah. just, just the kind of the attempts there's been to try and understand, to glorify, to to promote that that yeah. that era and that you know, and the c- connections people have to the music to the. All the paraphernalia and peripheral stuff, it's, a, it's just been a fascinating... Yeah, and also I really started thinking about, um, like, you know, hidden like hidden pain mm. and, like, long-term, like, unspoken pain and experience. And I think that mm. that, that, uh, that obviously particularly happens with war and, like, generations who are born in from war and who, whose parents were involved in war. I think there's a lot of... There's there's a lot of things that are never discussed because mm. no one wants to no one wants to dig that up no one wants to dig those memories up, but it also affects behavior and it affects relationships, you know. And then people become they deal with the pain mm. in different ways. Mm. And not to say that my father was was like you know sitting in a bar drunk his whole life. Like yeah, he yeah. lived a great life. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like. There was this. There's this hidden story that's just right yeah, there. Yeah. And, and you know, when you're young, you're kind of like, ah, whatever. Like, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to this like minor threat record and like <laughs> go skateboarding. I don't yeah. care about like. Yeah. You know, like, but when you yeah, get when yeah. I got a little bit older, I was like, holy shit! Like, mm. this is you know, especially putting trying to put his whole life in perspective. Yeah. Um, it made me very interested and in, and just like you know thinking about myself and. Also, just I'm interested in a story, and I was interested in his story in our relationship. Um, what, it, what is it about, and I'm going to 
there's going to be a very easy clue that I'm projecting here, but what is it about men and, fa- uh, you know, sons and fathers, men and their fathers, when we become men, when you're 30 or 40 or around that age, I feel like there's something that happens with men and their fathers, this disconnect yeah. around trying to understand one another. And then it sounds like you you patched that. Yeah. To, but, to, well, a, not to as nice a level as could be. Yeah, I mean, it was beautiful, mm. you know, like I said. Mm. I mean, we, he was, I, you know, also it's like, he was, and his friends have told me this as well, and he has told me it, but like he was, it was a big deal for him, for me to be like a musician and getting written up doing in what the papers doing. and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. he never did anything like that. I yeah. mean, he like, you know, went worked his whole life and mm. raised a family great I mean yeah, hilarious yeah. amazing guy yeah. but at the same time like how the fuck did you do this like mm-hmm. how did you how you know but meanwhile I was just working the whole time and mm. figuring it out and committed to it mm. um, but anyway I guess what I was I guess to answer your question about like fathers mm. and sons or just parents in general mm. I don't know I mean I think when I, when I was saying how I think when you get a little bit older you you know your life changes and you you have to become you're becoming you have to fit yourself into your own life I guess yeah. if that yeah. makes sense yeah and then you're I would say 95% of the time at that age you're living your own choices and your own life mm. and then you have to being disconnected from your parents in that way you have to relate back to them and perhaps a lot of people's parents that I know particularly they're old fashioned mm. and they have different perspectives and priorities and ideas and expectations um, which is fine but maybe there's like a different like level of relating to each other's lives mm. where you know okay you're you know you're you're getting older are you gonna <laughs> you're gonna put that guitar away and yeah. stay close <laughs> and you know I, I suddenly I feel like I'm like I crossed over into that like lifer mm-hmm. title mm. you know where mm. it's like oh man he's not it's not stopping. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I think I wouldn't say that that has anything to do with my family relationship. Mm. My, you know, my mom and my dad. You know, they were so supportive and they're they're psyched. Mm. But at the same time, I think perhaps that has to. There's a change. And know. and how are the rest of the family doing in the in the wake of his loss? Um, I think fine. I mean. Everyone, and also I guess another thing is too, and another thing about this song, another thing about like my songs particularly is like I realized also, and you know, the, the title of my album, it's I always feel a little bit selfish talking about myself. Mm. Like, well, yeah, my dad died, and uh, it's like I also realized that this is all these things I'm singing about are universal. Yeah, everyone has. Everyone is feeling this way. Everyone mm. is pain and loss and suffering, mm. but it's never really like when you're saying asking if you're okay. Mm. Like it's never talked about 
and mm. my the death of my father isn't any more interesting than anybody else's grief or loss mm. but it it affects my art and yes. but, but I but for me I like to reflect not just the personal experience but just the universe univer, universal yeah, yeah. part of it and yeah. I think that's what connects with people who listen to the music and that's um, you know when people say like oh man like I love that song and it helped me through a tough time mm. it's like oh wow that's so cool that you're relating you're relating to it in, in your own personal way mm. you know? well if we mm. tell our own stories <clears throat> that's a very nice way in to presenting yeah I guess maybe, that's what I, maybe some advice <laughs> maybe some clarity that you've taken from a yeah. situation that's what you're saying because I don't know maybe this is just me but as an adult my least favourite thing is other adults telling me what to do or how to feel most of the time but yeah. if I can pick something of that up myself I'm all on board but you know yeah. if, you, if you get up and write a song saying this is how this is what you should do and this is how you should feel I'm going to sit there in the audience and go I'm not listening to this guy yeah. <laughs> I don't care how right. good I don't care how good he is at playing the guitar I'm not listening to him yeah. but if you tell me either directly about your life or you paint something in an evocative way that might be hypothetical that might be imagined but it but it speaks to the to the universe then I'm all on board right yeah that's yeah. kind of how I see it yeah. and I think you know there's something like you know I, I hear songwriters talk about what they do and it's like I'm I really, I'm in, you know, some people are into confessional songs. Mm. Some people are very declarative, like this, this, and this, like do this, do this. Or, mm. And then, you know, people are, just have different styles and every, yeah. it, it's all a there's part no, of all of no it. There's no one great dancer, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know, I think I just, I got into that kind of thing where, you know, kind of trying to write about my own observations, but not not in a heavy hand. Say like here, here yeah, I come yeah. walking down the yeah, street yeah. in my in my cool suit, like you know. I was interested. I read this quote. I don't think I'd heard it before. Just recently, it's an old quote from Robbie Robertson, where he says something like, um, "As soon as I hear the word I in a song, yeah. I switch off. I'm not, you know, I'm not into it." Yeah. He he. For him, and I'm not. Hold, I mean, he's a great songwriter. I'm not holding him up as the person that has the correct answer here, but he's certainly yeah. a great songwriter. Yeah. But it was interesting to me that he really does create these stories based around a universal <coughs> thing. I, I, I guess with time, he's let more and more of his biography into it. Absolutely, uh -huh. yeah, but yeah. you know that was an interesting. Whereas you, you look at your kind of cliched confessional singer-songwriter whether they came out of the 70s or the 90s or now there's a lot of the kind of strumming at the cafe and my life is yeah. this and I did this and yeah. doesn't mean that can't work well, I was going to say it's I don't ever want to sound like a bitter <laughs> like guy but it's fine mm. I, it's fine if that's what you want to do and yeah, people yeah. respond to that kind of music as yes. well and people listen to music for different reasons so, yeah that's right you know um, it's completely fine but for me personally I just I never want to sing about like that yeah, yeah. experience. Like, you know, looking. I don't know. I don't want to say anything. I'm not, I almost feel like quoting a song, but I'm not going <laughs> to. No, you can do it. No, I just think when there's someone. I'm not going to. I mean, I'm not even thinking of anything specific. It's like mm. somebody who's singing about like I've seen it all, or like I've been around mm. the world, and baby, like. It looks good from the top, or like mm. some shit like that. It's like, 
don't want to fucking listen to this. Well, hang on. That's almost, you're almost quoting uh, Lonely at the Top by Randy Newman. Oh, but no. that's okay. Because oh, no, he, Randy Newman's because amazing. Because he, he wrote that as a pistol. Yeah. You know, he wrote that for Frank Sinatra. He, oh, his right. whole thing with that is he wanted Frank Sinatra to sing it. Oh, wow. I but it, li- literally, the words are He's been around. He's oh, Yeah, I'm, so getting, I'm going to see him in a oh. couple of months. Oh, and wow. that's like a lifelong dream. Yeah, you know he's to me he's gold standard. He's, he's yeah, just. He's, and it's funny too because I, I never, I didn't, I never got into him until mm. until Kurt Vile turned me on to him. Right. I was like Randy Newman, man. And then I was like, I took some cues from Kurt in that respect. Like he's such a, he's such an acute ear, mm. and he's he's like. He's into like the consummate songwriters like John Prine and Randy Newman yeah, and stuff, and yeah. I was never that into them. That into them until like he was talking about them a bit, and then I was like, man, Randy Newman, the way that he tells a story and his playfulness of language, mm. also like his heaviness, mm, mm. Um, it's really amazing. Mm. I saw him play in San Francisco around the Smoke Ring era, and um, I. My impression of him just seeing him play, and I really only knew the one record, and I loved yeah, it. Was yeah. just, was just that he was a guy who had absorbed a hell of a lot, like of, yeah. of music. Yeah. And he wasn't gonna, not in that jukebox way of, well, here's everything I know. But yeah. you know, it's like he was keeping a little back for himself. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. But it was a great. And I mean, I was, he's been to New Zealand a couple of times cool. since, and I've yeah. seen him again, and seen him with the band and without the band, oh, and all cool. of that. So yeah, you, yeah. you get nice shades with what he's doing. But so you I me- guess what I was, mm. what I was getting at before. But I think that I don't know. I mean, there's just a certain. I don't know if it's with new musicians as well, or maybe I'm too old, but it's like a lot of stuff, it just seems like very self-indulgent, and I, don't, yeah. I never wanted to be a self-indulgent artist yeah. or musician, and for yeah. me, I always felt like, you know, being able to do this, being able to travel and being able to sit here and talk to you mm. about my out myself, mm. it's such a privilege yeah, yeah. that it's so easy to to lose perspective on that yeah, and yeah. I always you know we say like just playing I just you know I'm just trying to maintain it and like I just want to keep doing it yeah yeah I mean I'm going to give myself a break of course I was just going to say <laughs> it sounds like you're aiming for a break soon like I am and I'm getting one yeah because yeah. this go. is the end of the year yeah and and so what does a break look like for you you go home and see the family? Yeah, I'm going home. Um, you know, gonna just like chill mm. and walk around New York City, go to my places. Mm. Um, and that's kind of it, you know. See um, some music, see some friends. Yeah, see some you know? friends. Yeah. Um, Do you, but are you that person that says, right, that first day was great, now I better open the notebooks and just start looking through some things and start I used to some be things. like that, yeah, but yeah. now I'm like, I need a couple days. Okay. You know, yeah. maybe just to like actually, vegetate actually and chill. Veg, yeah. yeah, and like, yeah. but yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm trying to, I'm going out to California in January. Um, to just and just kind of try to write and like visit some studios and I have some friends who are musicians there mm. and I'm going to try to like piece together a few things out there just to kind of mm. switch it up mm. so the last probably three albums have have started to really explore this new voice I think of you as yeah. you know 
links back to your earlier records, which were more about the playing. Yeah, yeah. But it's now it's really about your your singing voice and yeah. your songwriting voice. Cool. Yeah. And so I guess that the aim is to sort of, get, but you but you're not at all repeating yourself. Yeah. You know, it's new material and there's right. new things. So I guess that's the aim with the next set of songs. Ultimately, is to. Yeah, I think I'm constantly thinking about which different ways to approach mm. the songwriting and for me I think this next one I start I started getting closer to like getting back to just who I am as a, and I think that playing solo is a good example mm. of what I do and it's a bit different than my albums but I think I just I'm letting I'm 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 realizing how to construct songs a little better I guess. Yeah. But I also am feeling more comfortable with just being who I am and not trying to make things more slick or like oh, let's, we gotta like do this like web of guitar over this thing and mm. get the best drummer. It's like yeah. no, I think it's more about listening and feeling and being in the room and also trusting my own instincts mm. and feeling spontaneous. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's kind of where where I'm at right now mm. with what with this next thing that I want to do. Mm. And with with so many songs of your own that you've amassed and continue to um, bring. Do you are you still finding time to sort of put covers out into the world and to yeah. you know you still that's still an important part of the process for you to share because that's it's fun you know yeah yeah, yeah. but like, you're also sharing your uh, part of your story as a yeah, as a musician true. right Think yeah. that's actually a part of your biography yeah the songs true. that mean something to you or that you've discovered yeah, yeah yeah I enjoy doing stuff like that it's kind of a challenge mm. and it's also nice to put my own spin on it and mm. put it back out there you know? mm. and it's another version of that. You might be educating the audience, but you're not on some level. But you're not pointing the finger and going, yeah. "Listen to me, yeah. people. I've got yeah. the answer." It's more like, "Hey, do you like this? And yeah. can you see how this sounds in the context of the other things that I do?" Yeah, totally. Mm, mm. Well, you probably want to have a bit of a chill before you play, is there? So um, I'm enjoying this conversation, but yeah, I mean, is there anything that you want to um, put across that we haven't talked about? I'm just conscious that I want to give you some time out to go I mean, and I do mind. what you I'm want enjoying to. this conversation, but yeah, not really. I mean, I've just been kind of going at a at a fast clip lately. Mm. I mean, I was in Japan, mm. which was amazing, and then I came here and I've been traveling every day. Yeah, so this is like day four of flying <laughs> and like to the next city. New show, new town yeah, every day. And just like you know, and just yourself, like yeah, just being by myself is different. Um, mm. It's it's more extreme. I think that there's extreme there's extreme feelings and sensations in both directions. Like you know, like do being. You, do you live well in your head? Like, do you are you happy in my own head? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you <laughs> yeah. desperately trying to get out of it? No, I think I can. I mean, I can't escape it. Yeah. But I. Yeah, I think. I think I'm I'm doing okay in my own mind. I mean, I just like I said, I just need a little bit of time to mm. turn off. But when you know that that's on the horizon, that's enough too. Yeah, in a way, that's right? Too. Like exactly. That's, that's what it feels like coming like, from you. That you I, you know Christmas is yeah, and I'm, and around I'm like the I'm in New Zealand. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I have to, like I'm so excited to be back in Wellington. Mm. Um, and also I have some, I have a day like two days off tomorrow. Oh, nice. And I'm yeah, gonna yeah. like hang with my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm psyched. Yeah. You know, I'm happy. I, I, my whole thing back when I was living in New York, working jobs, 
and taking the subway commuting mm. like trying to figure out where where should I move or what should I do <laughs> or you know music to me when I became committed to it I just like I found it mm. you know I found like my path like uh, you know not to sound cheesy but I mm. just when I had the opportunities to do it and it continued in that way it was, it was like mm. became a touring musician you, know? you mentioned um, Kurt sort of turning you on to Randy Newman you know who'd been, yeah. who'd been around for a long time yeah. <laughs> um, are there any other kind of examples reasonably recently of, of people that you've kind of just got to and gone wow they really they really are good or you know I just didn't really know about them you know someone with that kind of legacy because um, that's been happening to me a lot it happens to me yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of an example or you just afford them a bit more time you're always aware of them like yeah. I'm, I'm in a big Harry Nilsson kick right oh, now. Oh yes, that's another one. Right, yeah, he's, and, he's and I've been into well. him for a long time, but yeah. right now I'm like, man, okay, all the shitty albums that people think are shitty are great as well. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, there's he, something on them that's yeah, great. Yeah, Harry Nilsson was one that I was like finally came mm. around to. Um, also like country music as well. Yeah, like I was yeah. always like, mm, I don't know. And then like I started getting, recently, more recently, I kind of started getting into Waylon Jennings and, mm. and like his earlier stuff. Mm. And like Willie Nelson and stuff like that. Like a lot yeah, of country. Willie's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like his songwriting. And Willie mm-hmm. was one person that I got really interested in because of just the, the, his natural ability as a songwriter and his story, how he worked at this radio station. Mm. And he was just cranking out these like really really sad, quite sad yeah. and sweet yeah. songs but also just so innocent but heavy at the same yeah, time well, like I'm crazy. So I mean crazy is like yeah. Yeah. such a beautiful little song yeah. there's, there's really nothing to it yeah, they're but it lives on its fragility yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I started listening to like his oh you know who turned me on to this this is interesting there's this pedal steel player who lives in London who um what is his name uh, I always do this um He's a guy who plays. He plays with Michael Chapman. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god, I can't remember his name. I always do this to myself. <laughs> oh, BJ Cole is his oh, name. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with his playing? Yes, yes, yeah. I, yeah, I am. Yeah. So he, he's like, he plays. <laughs> he played pedal steel on. Tiny Dancer, mm. like, and it's so weird to hear that in the supermarket because <laughs> yeah. the pedal steel is like really high in the mix. Yes. But anyway, he's a he's this incredible um, pedal steel mm. player, and we did. I recorded this Michael Chapman record in Wales. I produced it, mm. and and BJ was the pedal steel player, and he gave me a ride from Wales to London to the airport, dropped mm. me off, and I flew somewhere. I think I flew home, but. The whole time, he's so interested in country music, and he was talking about how he came to the states in the '80s and went to all these pedal steel conventions, and like mm-hmm. he knows all these um, pedal steel players who I didn't know of, and mm-hmm. all these names. Is like whoa. And there's one pedal steel player I can't remember his name, but anyway, he had this double disc set of Willie Nelson mm-hmm. first two albums. Mm-hmm. It was just like we listened to the whole like both CDs yeah. like, over and over yeah. and over again. They were just like these songs are so amazing it's like if you're a songwriter just like just yeah. like just check this out yeah it's like, a prescription <laughs> yeah it's a prescription yeah, yeah. and um, Willie Nelson fucking great guitar player right yeah he ridiculous yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah with his own sense of space his and own it's sense also of like, timing it's he's the kind of for me you know also I'm, I'm a, 
I'm talking about Randy Newman as mm. well. It's like I'm a I'm a I'm a person who grew up in the age of like a lot of like classic rock radio. So mm. when I when I for forever when I would think of like Randy Newman, I'd always think of like short people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the hat like, that was playing you know, on like, the radio. I'm like I don't I'm not into that mm. dude. Like you mm. know or or you know or like Willie Nelson. I'm like well yeah. I mean he's like he's the long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, like. But I then mean, when you, you go know, and then find then the when depth. you dig a little deeper yeah. and you, yeah. you, you read about them, and stuff, I was very like, much oh. the same with with Willie Nelson. I was yeah. kind of like, and my parents had never been country music. Music fans, so they would they didn't try to ban it or anything like that, but they just weren't playing it. So yeah, right. you just had this stereotypical view of someone like Willie Nelson, and yeah. then, then you hear the, you know, you hear him doing jazz standards, or you hear those early songs he wrote. Or the thing for me was actually that that record Tetro and, mm-hmm. and Spirit, those ones from the '90s, with like yeah. just beautiful, beautiful playing. You know, yeah, yeah. duets with Emmylou Harris and yeah, just so good. amazing Daniel Lanois. You know, mm-hmm. like just amazing, amazing yeah. uh, overall mood. Right. You know, good songs, him and great voice. Yeah. And then you just go, well, if there's this, what else is there? Oh, okay, there's roughly two dozen albums that yeah. I now need to ingest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but the Nilsson thing's been fascinating because he's just, you know, to me, there's also that, you know, I don't always, I don't always need this, but with him, there's clearly this very sad um, personal story going on in the background of all of this music. Like, yeah. he's, he's essentially he's just a common drunk, you know. Yeah, like he, right. He's got this awful alcoholism. Yeah. And it's fueling some of his best and worst work. Yeah. And a lot of his worst behaviour. And there's something very compelling about trying to understand that. I guess just a human condition situation. That yeah. How does this asshole make, <laughs> make this yeah. beautiful music? Yeah. Plus, he's one of those great, like, it seemed to not matter whether he wrote the song or not, you know, which is interesting. Like, hmm. he was a great songwriter, but God, he was a great covers artist. Yeah. And yeah, that, like everyone's and, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's quite a rare skill to operate in both. Yeah, it's interesting because he, he, how he was just close friends with Lennon and mm, like mm. the Beatles and all these people. He was kind of running in those circles. Well, I heard this thing the, just the other day that he was, when John Lennon was, you know, died when he was killed. Obviously, he went through a massive period of grief, and then it continued because. And when someone asked him about it, someone close to him, he he said, "I'm just gutted. The rest of the band didn't ask me to join." And it's like, well, they weren't a band. Yeah. They weren't a band. You mean but he's, after John Yeah, yeah. He's away. basically going, oh, I, and he so that's... to replace... That just seems like oh the most gosh. amazing drunk logic, that yeah, something in sure. his head was swimming around. He's like, well, they're going to get the band back together now, and I'm going to be the John Lennon replacement, and we're going to go on the road. Yeah, he's... he's, he's that's, that's... Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah like and that, again, that's very, very... Exactly. It's very, very sad, you know. Yeah. It's... it's um, but again... You what was that one song? It's like, it's very anthemic, has an amazing bass line. It's like really driving. Apparently, like he, they told him like not because and he's like yelling. Oh yeah, yeah. It's such a good know. song. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. remember the name of no, it. No, neither. But uh, I'm terrible with song titles. Apparently, Phil Spector was like, or someone yeah. was like, if you sing on this tune, mm. like you're gonna lose your vocal cords. Mm. And he was like drunk and just like destroyed. Yeah, oh, he just ripped his voice. To bits. His, he was yeah. he was in awe of that kind of John Lennon scream, that yeah. rock and roll scream. Yeah, yeah. Tr- you know, like uh, that you hear on Mother. Well, you hear it yeah, everywhere, mother, but like yeah. on Mother. The Plastic Ono band yeah, yeah. kind of That's stuff. That's one of my favourites, that, that record. record. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a total Paul McCartney guy if you I are. have to pick. 
But Plasticono Band's the best thing any of the Beatles yeah. did on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. more a Paul guy. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I gave that. You, you know how like, you give it a shot? <laughs> you sound really disappointed no, 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 in me no, no, all no. of a sudden. No, no, no. I, like, I love Paul, but yeah, yeah. it's funny that there are Paul people because I said, because yes. when you're talking about influences, yeah. I like trust like my friend Tommy, for instance, who lives in, in Brussels. Mm. Good friend, great tasting music, Paul guy. I was mm. like, Maybe I'm a Paul guy and I just don't know it, you know. And then yeah. I'll try, like, you know, I'll go listen to Ram and mm. some of the other solo records. And I would think I would have thought that you'd, you'd find Ram pretty interesting. Yeah, Ram is great. Yeah. I don't, I don't discredit it, but yeah. just like Lennon, just John is my guy. Yeah, right. like you know, I just got so deep into all those solo records. Well, I went through the solo records recently because I've kind, I'd kind of relegated John to my fourth favorite Beatle, which still means, wow. it, which yeah, still yeah, means yeah. I love sure, him. Of course, but of course. I, I, it had got to that, and so I went back and listened to all the solo records again, and I was kind of going, oh, you really only need, you know, Double Fantasy and Plasticono Band, but that's not what true. What about Imagine? No, that's I mean, not true yeah, at all. Yeah, and yeah. I had, all, I'd always written Imagine off as not a very good record because oh I, I don't, because I'm sick of the type, the classic yeah, rock radio yeah, yeah, thing. I'm sick yeah. of the. Song. True, but it's an it's an incredible it's album. Yeah. Why did I why did I just leave it on the shelf for <laughs> yeah. years? I'm an idiot. It's, yeah, it's right up there. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, I yeah. agree. And even those, I, I don't like the rock and roll album, the covers. I, I I'm yeah. not big no, on that. No, that's true. Me neither. And I'm not. There's always one you can yeah, like, yeah, yeah. set aside. But um, but everything else, you yeah. know, I think Walls and Bridges is very good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, uh, Mind Games is, a, Mind is Games mostly is a, mostly yeah. a very great album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean songs like Number Nine Dream. I just think that's yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And he and Double Fantasy is lovely. Like mm-hmm. I, I grew up with that record. That was yeah. that was the first solo John I heard. Right. My dad was a big fan. And so yep. you take Ringo over John? Well, I play the drums. So okay. Ringo's an amazing yeah, drummer. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's that. Okay. I that cer- makes sense. I certainly don't think he's a better songwriter. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. I'm not no, that no, deluded no, no. or 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 even a better singer. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like yeah. what Ringo's he's about. He's such a sick yeah. drummer. Yeah, oh my yeah, gosh. yeah. So yeah. underrated as well. So that's another thing. Like I never. I came around the Beatles late, mm. and when I when I went in, I went in like really hard, and, mm. and like you know, like White Album, yeah, just and just that, all the reading about everything, and when you listen to the drumming and and the rhythm, of course, yeah. Paul's bass playing, just like yeah, it's yeah, kind of unbelievable. Well, they're a great band to do like a to to fall for because it's spectacular work, but it's finite. You know, it's actually a reasonable sized catalogue to deal with like sure there's all these yeah, extra yeah, yeah. takes and things come out but in terms of just a starter kit you know that, that, yeah. that, that, that run of just you know just over a dozen albums yeah. and if you want to leave a couple aside that you don't need you can get a six pack of yeah, Beatles yeah, records that are just sublime Phenomenal. and you yeah. can just go on them for months yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah yeah I mean I like I came around to them late but also, just to you know, just to know how they made the records and read. I mean, every studio you go to, there's mm. the the book, like the yeah. Studio Beatles book, and microphones, yeah. and the way that the studio was set up and how they constructed the songs mm. it was, was completely new back then. Mm. And just, I still, it's still important to any like a lot of engineers now. You know. Do you, Do you know the other thing? The other reason why I'm a pool guy. And it's it's the oddest thing because you know he's a billionaire and he doesn't need anyone to take pity on him. But I feel a bit 
I feel like he's been a bit picked on over the years. You know, I think people are too quick to point to you know because he's because yeah. he's a cheese ball, and yeah, people yeah, yeah. people are too quick to point to you know whatever whatever it is that they've heard on the radio that they think is particularly cheesy. Ebony, yeah. and, I, Ebony and Ivory is obviously an example. But or, he's also like he's the man, classical he's, guy. Yeah, he's the classical and he's, and he's the experimental guy. Yeah, you know? that's and true. He's, and he's the one man band guy. Yeah, and. Um, and he's the guy that can kind of. Have you heard about his brother who made this yeah, album? Yeah, like Mike, the, Mc, Mike McGear. Who made that yeah. like um, yeah sort of experimental? Yeah, yeah, he's heard about some, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, he was in that band, The Scaffold, which was a sort of a poetry collective, and but he changed his name to McGear, mm. and um, but basically the backing band on it is Wings. So it's crazy because yeah, I, I, yeah. I was um, talking to Lee Ronaldo actually. Mm. And he was telling me that there was a time when Sonic Youth was touring with Neil Young, mm, mm. and they played the Bridge School Benefit yep, yep, at Neil, at Neil yeah. Young's house. Yeah. And 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 um, Steve Shelley and Lee Ronaldo, they're like Beatles, huge yeah. Beatles fans. Yeah. And Paul. Oh, you can so tell that about Steve Shelley. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. a huge. He goes. You can to, tell he's a Apparently, guy. he goes and like yeah. you know walks like goes to like. Liverpool and like right does all the does the tours goes, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. goes yeah. to like Beatles conventions and right stuff. but <laughs> he probably goes and sees the All Star Band probably yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I think cool. he does yeah <laughs> um, but Lee told me this story how once they were um, they were they played Bridge School Benefit mm. and and Paul was there this is the second time I think the first time Sonic Youth played Bridge School Benefit was a bit of a disaster mm. the second time it went a lot better mm. and um, he said the second time Paul was there and Paul suddenly became very interested in Sonic Youth and was like very intrigued <laughs> and like hanging mm. around and like talking to them and stuff and they were all like this is crazy <laughs> and, he said, and he said that they were they were like after the concert they were all hanging out at, like around a campfire mm. or something like that mm. And it was like Steve and Lee and some of the other members and like Paul were all just like <laughs> hanging around. And then and then like I think either I think maybe Lee or someone was like so like let's talk about your brother's record. <laughs> like what and Paul was just like what? He was completely like both impressed but also like <coughs> no one's ever like asked perplexed. Him. Yeah, you yeah. Know? He was like Okay, like you know, I like, had a little bit to say about it, but it was that's so cool. They threw like this, yeah. like completely off the wall. That's amazing because probably no one's ever asked me yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. That's, and that's, you know, that's what I, I mean. I've, you know, I both dream of interviewing Paul McCartney and dread it, but that's what yeah. I'd want to do. You know, yeah. uh, how do you ask him the one thing or right. that he's hardly been asked? You know, because he was he was in our collector as well, right? He was interested in modern art. Mm. Oh yeah, like more than any of the other ones. Yeah, more oh, than totally. John. Yeah, yeah totally. he was like all into that yeah, whole scene, and, and that's the thing I think. That's what I say. Like you become a bit of a Paul McCartney apologist, even though he doesn't need it. You want to yeah, you want to say right. to people, "Hey, man, he was he was actually the weird, interesting guy." Yeah, you know, he did yeah. all, he did all the weird stuff. Right, he you was know? going and, to and see like Foxes. That's it. That's it. And he yeah. was he had, he was dating that socialite. Uh, name escapes me now, but you know, before Linda, he was. Mm-hmm. Dating this wealthy woman and their parents were art, major art collectors and stuff. Yeah, so he yeah, started yeah. getting introduced to all the galleries, and, okay. and then he got into put the performance art stuff, seeing all the kind of weird right. things. And yeah, so he was just soaking all of that up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, he's he's the number one for me. But That's cool. Part that of it, yeah, part of it's because of that. But it's yeah, it's so funny when you hear John's great stuff, and also when you hear the great stuff that. 
I always love looking for the moments when you know John comes in on a Paul song and just kind of fixes it or mm-hmm. just gives the that layer yeah. that was and vice versa. Yeah, I was Paul, say Paul, the did, Paul did the same it way as well. totally. Yeah. Paul possibly did it more actually. Yeah, for sure. John seemed to be a guy that was like dash something off that'll do. Yeah, and Paul would come in and tidy it up. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. You especially his relationship with Ringo too. Yeah, it's like the way that they like yeah. relate to each other is just yeah. so so insane. But you notice that on Abbey, I've been listening to Abbey Road a lot because mm. of the 50th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. And all of those, the medley, the John pieces are great, but they're, they're throwaway pieces that Paul's stitched together. Yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't have existed without yeah. Paul coming in to tidy them up yeah. and, and make them try and make sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's a fun game that I did this year on tour is you, if you have a group and you're on a road trip, for instance, <laughs> mm. you do, you make your own playlist from one to the, to the end of... The White Album. Oh, changing the order. Like from, from preference, like what's your yeah. favorite? What's but your you least keep favorite. everything on there. You have to use all the songs, right. but you create your own like list. And <laughs> that it's, is fantastic. It's, it's crazy. I'm gonna go. It's hilarious. I'm, I'm gonna go and do that by myself. Yeah, you should. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, totally I have like we have wow. this email chain going. With, what's like, your number one off the White Album? Mine, mine, and it's funny because it's really me. I did it with um, like a bunch of people, maybe six, seven people, and mm. it was like. And 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 uh, it was and I'm really proud of this because I mm. picked Julia because it's like one of my oh, favorite yeah, songs. Beautiful songs. Um, and no one was like Julia. Like, what? like no. Like and then the other person who had Julia was Ira Cohen mm. from from Yellow Tango. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like really you know Rocky Raccoon. All those are like pretty low. Oh, yeah. But it's like where do I put this? This it's like back in the USSR. Like really like but it's a great song. And then yeah, there's yeah. all those there's kind of the sleeper tracks as well. Yeah. Like that are that are also amazing. Yeah. Um, See. I would be inclined to pick Dear Prudence, but that's right up there anyway, well, isn't it? That's number yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I'm not a big back in the USSR. Yeah. Guy, I sort of get I, it. I can let me just show you. Yeah. I can like even show you. Um, <laughs> it's fun to it's fun to look at. Yeah, I'm going to take a photo of it. Okay. <laughs> Guy, I sort of get I, it. I can let me just show you. Yeah. I can like even show you. Um, <laughs> it's fun to it's fun to look at. Yeah, I'm going to take a photo of it. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, the the other one is to to make up a, a a last Beatles album out of their first solo albums. That's quite a good one too. Oh, I don't know that one. You just basically, and you know, you obviously leave out the experimental stuff, but you go, say, McCartney, uh, Plastic Ono Band. One of Ringo's covers albums and um, All Things Must Pass. Oh, and you can okay. make a really, really nice Beatles oh, album wow, out of yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, I see. That speaks to their sort of singing and songwriting. Right. Because Ringo's first two albums that are just mostly covers are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, no. You know, yeah, those are great. He, I think he was going to, you know, he, was a, he had the potential to be a great country and western kind of singer. You know, he's got that kind of country crooner mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that's true. That, um, Boku's of Blues, his second solo album, is, is, is brilliant. Yeah, that is good. Oh, shit, I can't find it. You can send it to me when you find okay. it. I'm, yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. To I'm definitely gonna. Um, I'm definitely gonna go home and. Yeah, do one. <laughs> make, it's, make it. it's pretty fascinating. Also, when you get. When I you love see the idea people, that you can't ar- you know can't remove anything because it's yeah it's funny it's funny and what ends up last usually for most it's people, like it's usually revolution it's like, nine 
No, I mean, or sometimes not. you put that, yeah. Probably not with the crowd you're running. Probably not with the crowd you're running. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It's also like Red Lee Ronaldo starting it with that. And it's like Rocky <laughs> Raccoon's kind yeah. of low. Obladi, back in the US. Yeah, yeah. Obladi's back in the US. So it's all Paul. <laughs> yeah, so, but some people love that stuff. It yeah. depends on who's yeah. in the car, you know? Yeah, and like yeah. there were some Paul people who were like, what are you crazy? Like, no yeah. way. So. But it's, it has got mostly a pretty interesting sequence about it there because you take a thing like Wild Honey Pie, which is kind of ridiculous. But it's, but it's a great per- song. Yeah. In the context of that album, too, where it, where it sits, it's perfect because, yeah. you know. It's true. You know, it, it, it kind of bridges. You've just had Obla Di Obla Da, which is a bit of an assault. Yeah. Even though it's actually quite cool. I quite like it. Yeah. But it's it is true. a bit of an assault. And then you have that before you get sort of. John being quite intense again Right You know so You know I love that stuff I mean This is kind of We've just crossed over into Peak Music nerd Beatles stuff. nerd Yeah Beatles <laughs> Beatles nerd is kind of the ultimate Subgroup of music yeah. nerd isn't it Yeah It makes some people cringe these days I, I think. know It's, sort of it's like, fun It's the territory of old white guys I mean I was watching I've seen it already But there was like a you know that Beatles film that mm. came out? It was like old footage that was put yeah. together by Ron, Ron Howard. Howard. I just yeah. watched I just it again the other week. I watched it the other, again, yeah. too, on the yeah. airplane. I was like, I love this. Well, yeah, because I didn't really get... I thought it was okay the first time, and then I watched it a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it. I was yeah, like, I must have yeah. paid more attention to it, and I've been listening to Abbey Road and yeah. other Beatles things, and I was like, this is actually... And I guess I've seen the other docos. The other thing for me is I've got a kid who's just turned eight, okay. and he's obsessed with the Beatles. Oh, that's so cool. And we yeah. watched it together. because yeah. he We watched it because he wanted to watch it. And it was his first Beatles documentary, so he was—he kind of said to me, "Dad, they're really funny." Like the interviews, yeah, yeah. and he—I, I, of course, we know that if you grow up and you get into them. Yeah. I've watched all the other things, the anthology and all that. So those clips were things. A lot of them were things I'd seen versions of. This was his first time seeing any of them talk. He only oh my knew God, the songs, that's hilarious. and it was just really cool seeing it kind of through his eyes. You know, yeah, it blew it's his so mind. Interesting how that stems from comedy and how, yeah. um, like they were. <sighs> coming out of that world a little bit from mm. the English comedians mm. and like mm. the studio that the depth that they were in yeah and yeah like the did the goons and all, all that, that yeah. Stuff. Yeah. yeah did you read that book Shout that's quite I haven't a good read one. that yet. It's really I've good. got it. It's pretty thorough. Yeah. About about twice a year, I go back to the bookshelf and grab a Beatles book I haven't yet yeah. read. I've got quite a few, yeah. and I just can't help myself. That like, one's good. I've got three bands that. Or four, actually, if you count Dylan. I've slowed down on him now, but the Beach Boys, the Beatles, Dylan, and Fleetwood Mac, I'll read anything about them because because they're fascinating, you know, because of the backstory stuff, the fighting, the... I was just at the Dylan... I was invited to go to the Bob Dylan archive. Mm, Wow. Um, in, in Tulsa that, mm. they're, that they're building now they're yeah, building yeah. a museum yeah yeah I, read, I remember reading reading about it happening yeah, yeah I just spent a couple of days there I did a performance and I visited the archive for wow. three days and I got to see all this stuff and see his manuscripts and listen to live recordings and wow. see videos of so amazing That's ridiculous yeah, it was what, beautiful what do you cover of Dylan's what have what's I your, covered yeah actually, what's your go to actually to, to I play yeah. Oh, to, to for play, you to play, like yeah, to perform. Actually, I, I for this concert I performed this song called. It's actually a, he played a cover at, mm. at Isle of Wight Festival. Mm. Um, it's a and it's a Scottish like folk song called Wild Mountain. Time. Oh yeah 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 yeah. It's, the version that he did at the Isle of Wight is it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. Mm. Um, and just the way that he sings it and the way that he presents it is also like. 
strange that he just like busted in the solo tune. Mm. Um, and so I covered that, and then I did it. I also did a recorded a version of Visions of Joanna. Oh, beautiful! Like that's online. Yeah. So I did it for like Mojo, yeah. Bob Dylan yeah. anniversary yeah. thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a big one for me too. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you're gonna sound chicken in a yeah, minute, I think. So, so yeah. I, I reckon we'll switch this off. But okay. it's been a great pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Getting to know you really and having fun. a chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks for having me.